living the dream. I'm in love with the lights. This is not just a game. This here is my life. Cameras on me, yeah, yeah. Hello, everybody. Live from Palm Desert in the Coachella Valley itself, it's the Ozone. Who knew? I'm your host, Omar Miller. I'm here with my brother from the same mother, Terry Miller. How you feeling? Great, as usual. Where can the people find you? At Icons on every social media platform that exists, and it's E-Y-E-C-O-N-Z. Oh, yeah. Let's party. Got a lot to cover this week. We're going to lean in heavy now, folks, for the boxing and for our favorite sport, Major League Baseball. We're going to cover a little tennis because that's what we're here for. We are live at Indian Wells. There's already been an upset, and we're only in the first round. Unbelievable, ladies and gentlemen. Unbelievable. We're going to start off with the main event. The big boys clashed this weekend, this past weekend, and boy, was it something special. I'm mad because I I thought about going out to that fight. And what happened? You know what? We we had to come out here to the desert to make a new addition because we got renewed for season two of Advantage Omar on Tennis Channel. Yeah, but you could have made it in and out. Would have been tough. It would have been tough. Would have been tight squeeze. You've done it before. Would have been would have been worth it though, because these boys went out there and chunked them. Ladies and gentlemen, one thing that that the reason that heavyweights are called the glamour division in boxing is because you have the ability for the and the likelihood of a one punch knockout. And there's a couple fellas out there in the world right now who have one punch pop, and one of them fought on Saturday night. And I'm here to tell you, he was in a boatload of trouble. If, the whole fight. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it was Deontay Wilder versus Luis Ortiz. The heavyweight champion, the bronze bomber as uh, as monikered versus King Kong, which is always a questionable moniker for a brother <laughs> in the world. But I digress. Now, this fight was scheduled to take place uh, last year, 2017, in, I do believe, late October, early November. And there was a problem that took place. Luis Ortiz tested positive for uh, PEDs which seems to be running rampant in boxing. They're going through their Major League Baseball scandal. And what ended up happening was they postponed the fight, and instead, Wilder picked up a fight against Bermain Stivern, a rematch where Bermain Stivern looked like he had just stepped out of the conga line and stepped <laughs> in, into the, the ring. He didn't look like he stepped out of the conga line. He looked like he stepped out of the chow line. I've <laughs> <laughs> been with some drinks. Some, some, some and food. <laughs> Don't leave them just the drinks. It's the food. Some get low, get low. And, uh, you know, and what ended up happening was, as expected, the champ put Ibana there, either in the first or second round. I think it was late in the first, maybe top of the second. Yeah, but this past weekend, he had to earn it. He had to earn it. And you know what? I think he silenced a lot of the doubters. And yet, with a lot of people who were believers, he caused a whole lot of panic (laughs) at the disco. But he also, but he also caused a whole lot of trepidation going forward. I spoke to a lot of people before this fight who thought that it was the banana peel match, who thought that it was the fight that was the slippery slope because Luis Ortiz uh, is, a, is a celebrated Cuban fighter with nearly 400 amateur fights under his belt. And he has enough pop to put you to sleep. He's got the carries that left. Now, when we spoke about the analysis before, what I predicted would happen happened, and because, in my opinion... Luis Ortiz is not really 37 years old. Like, they're saying he's 37 years old. What are you giving him? I say he's maybe 47. Maybe 40, you go, you 40, go that high. I think 45. he's about 43, 44. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. But, and so, and so that's, this is what I mean. And so I didn't feel like he was the age that he said that he was, which then in turn gave us a, almost a mirror 
of what happened to Vitali uh, to Vladimir Klitschko versus Anthony Joshua last year in the sensational fight at Wembley that created the superstar that we know as Anthony Joshua. There was a lot of similarities between these two fights, and I'd love to just speak about it a little bit if yeah, you look. It's a lot of similarities, but my problem with it is that uh, Ortiz is not the same caliber or quality of a fighter as Klitschko. Oh, I hear you. So I, I'm not saying they're but, exact. But the way that it played out is a lot like. This is what I'm saying. Yeah, because Klitschko has been a dominant champion for a couple of decades almost. Yeah, and his age is verified. Yes. <laughs> and, and at 41 or 42, you could see when he got put on his back, he had the heart and the skill to get up and hold. Exactly. And then he put Anthony Keep his Joshua composure. on his back, yeah. and he just did not have enough to get him out of there. And this is what we're seeing about Father Time being undefeated. Right. We just saw it with Luis Ortiz. I still don't think anybody else really wants to fight Luis Ortiz, <laughs> honestly, he's a, he's a in the problem. division. He's a lefty with pop that has good defense. And that was the first time, what, this, what, the third time? He went down two times in that fight, so that's the third time he's been down. Really? Yeah, that was the, um, the second time he got knocked down. The first knockdown of that fight. What's his second knockdown of his second career? Knock, second knockdown of his career. Wow. Yeah. Well, he had a great attitude about the whole thing, in my opinion. I, I was really impressed with Luis Ortiz. Uh, one, because you got to know him a little bit better in those awesome, you know, uh, Day, yeah. in the, day in the life kind of things. On. And, and he's not a bad guy. We'll get to Canelo, but you know, and Canelo's not a bad guy either. But but one of the things is that when a guy gets caught on per, per, uh, performance enhancing drugs, you feel like, you know, you have some kind of feeling towards it, like he might be a bad guy or a bad person. Yeah, and that's just public perception. And this is the danger of getting caught in a sport like this when you're cheating. You know, it, it's very dangerous because it can go the wrong way. Right. So, uh, with that, the fight starts, and I've been going back and forth with people online, and I don't know, I, I don't know if people aren't listening to the podcast to know, I'm super pro Wilder. I love Deontay. You've Wilder. always loved Deontay. I've loved him since the ago. He's always been a doubt for me. Yeah. And he still is, even more so now. Well, you know what? I love his heart, and I love that, that he, you know, I love that he's an American champ that, picked up boxing looks like late he more looks like a basketball player than a boxer in this fight i thought it was interesting because deontay came in at 214 and that's really light for a heavyweight that's six seven yeah that, and i don't think it, that he could be joshua coming in at 214 i don't either if I joshua either. make it makes it past parker and uh and ortiz did not use his full 240 properly in my opinion too because when he had him in trouble had he laid on him that would have done a lot of damage it's Take hard. Away his legs it's like being in the post it, it is <laughs> and it's hard to carry your weight and somebody else's weight especially when you're the big fella so you know there was a the, the, the fight starts immediately wilder is put on his horse immediately i don't know who watched this fight who thought that wilder was not in trouble but i keep talking to people online who like to think that oh no he was playing he wasn't playing right he wasn't playing <laughs> what was he playing with playing with fire trying not to get knocked out yeah he was playing but you know early in the fight he was doing he would he did not come out sharp snapping his jab you could see that he was very interested in finding out about luis ortiz's power yeah you could see that, you could see that he was fully aware that this was his biggest test Mm -hmm. You could see that. And what ended up happening was he went out there and Luis Ortiz jabbed him, jabbed him, hit him with a big left when Deontay tried to fire a right and missed. And it changed his life. It changed his <laughs> life. Deontay was on his horse for the next three rounds. I had going into go, he barely threw any punches. Right. Going into the, the seventh? fifth round, I had it four nothing. Yeah, and I was I just referred to the seventh is because when the seventh is when he started making the comeback by knocking down Ortiz. 
But, no, no, he knocked him down in the fourth or the, the fifth. No, in the fifth. Yeah, the fifth. And, and that's what I was saying. Going in, and I had just tweeted, man, he, this is, I got Ortiz pitching a shutout right now. He dominated distance. He was he had the champ moving in reverse. You could see the jab was annoying him. And then, just being a southpaw annoyed him. It annoyed him, and his footwork was superior. His fundamentals were superior yes. to Wilder's. Yes, and this is ultimately what we need to talk about because Wilder's fundamentals are flawed. Are flawed. Seriously flawed. And when you fight somebody else that is at the same level, the same level in their career, not just yes. the same level, because I would say Luis Ortiz, uh, ability-wise, a functional, you know, um, what's the word I'm trying to say? Fundamentally-wise, functionally, he's superior to Wilder. Age-wise, he is now past his prime. Right. Well, in that sense, that's why Wilder shouldn't have been, it shouldn't have really been competitive if Ortiz was the age that he said he was. Because if Ortiz was the age that he said he was, instead of being probably like 45, <clears throat> 45 or so, then he probably would have knocked out Deontay Wilder. I think he gets him out of there in the seventh if he's younger. But what, what happened is the same thing that we've seen happen about 39 times <laughs> with right. Deontay Wilder. That right comes into play. Which is he's in trouble until he's not. And that's the big boys. And that's the big fellas. And that... Dude got that thunder in his right, and he told us on the Ozone podcast, he baptizing folks with that fire, <laughs> and he baptized Luis Ortiz, and you saw Luis Ortiz got dropped. It was interesting, though, because I felt like he wore that knockdown as good as you can wear a knockdown. Yeah, and it was you knocked off his equilibrium, hit him right on top of the temple, and it wasn't like a, a big blow. It's a big blow in this. In it was the, a balance problem. Yeah, it was a balance problem, not like getting hit on your chin. Yes. Which actually disconnects your power when you have to pay yeah, your power the, bill. Yeah, <laughs> but, but you didn't get an extension. Right, you didn't get that extension. So what happened was that he got up and he pretty much worked his way through it. Well, he, yeah, he got up, and that was towards the end of the round. So he got up, and he gets himself back together. That put Deontay back into the fight, obviously. So you go from four rounds to none to pretty much four rounds to, to two right. uh, with that knockdown. And you know, but even with that knockdown, I still, I still would have went with a 10-9 round because he was in trouble, actually, that round. He was really in trouble. It wasn't like he, he and when I say trouble, it was he wasn't throwing a, enough effective punches. He was it was a lot of pity pat going on and he was literally being bullied in the ring. Yeah, but I still wouldn't go with I wouldn't go as far as to say 10-9 because he was winning the round, but the knockdown, you'd have to put the man on his back or do something even more extreme for me to give you 10-9 after getting knocked down. So for me, that that. In theory, that turned the tide of the fight because what you saw after that was Deontay got his his confidence. championship swagger back. He got his confidence back. And he went to put in work. And he started to put in work. He started to use his jab. But Ortiz was still there. And what this does to me is show you a sneak preview of the danger that Deontay Wilder could be in for when he meets up with somebody else who has as much power as he has. Yes. And and, and size. And size. More size. So what ends up happening is, you guys probably all watch the fight. What ends up happening is, is an epic battle where Ortiz comes back and storms back. And in the seventh round, Ortiz has, at the end of the seventh round, Ortiz has Wilder on the ropes, literally. It looks like he's about to get knocked out. And it looked bad for the kid. It looked really bad for the champ. And he was able to stay on his feet. And Ortiz just did not have that extra gear that you have when you're young. Right. When you have natural growth hormone. Like when we watched Klitschko fight. And I told <laughs> you that he was just it. a tick behind. Like we're watching Tom Brady just a tick behind. That's it. It's, and That's it. And it's you want, time. It's, unbel- it's really yes. fascinating. And you want to execute. and Your, your mind knows your what mind you're supposed was, to do. But your body, that signal's not being sent fast enough. It's just your synapses just aren't there like yeah. they once were. Which is crazy. 
And it's not. And so what ends up happening is, is Deontay is even in trouble in the round that he ends up delivering the hammer. He hit. It was funny because when he got Ortiz in trouble in the fourth, he did classic Wilder where he ran up real fast trying to get him out of there. And Wilder actually popped him. I mean, uh, Ortiz actually popped him with a jab and a one-two and got, right. pushed him back. In the ninth, when he got him in trouble and ultimately got him out of there, Wilder took his time and came over and got him out. But he still was wild, wide punches, the kind of stuff that could be Glancing blows. Pawing more yeah. so that it was it was it he was didn't a have bit. any movement. It wasn't calculated. He didn't take calculated risk, and that's one of the things that Ortiz did when he had him in trouble. Except he couldn't execute to the fullest extent because what Ortiz did was come and threw and basically pound his body, work him over. He had enough ring savvy to know that you know what this kid is young, and I might not be able to take him out right now. But what I can do is to destroy his body and. Which should get rid of his power yeah, as well. Which, which, which should equalize his power. his power, but he didn't commit enough to the he body. He didn't commit enough. And then the last thing that he did was when he got dropped, it looked like there was a machismo that clicked on in his mind. Yes. Because he didn't hold. And he, instead, he decided, you know what? The fight is about to end right now. One of us gets knocked <laughs> one, out. Somebody <laughs> get brain damage. Somebody needs brain damage. <laughs> I'm, I'm here to get it and receive it. <laughs> Give it and receive it. And it looked like he, he gave some because after the fight, Deontay Wilder was talking all over the ring. Yeah. And he did, didn't. <laughs> Look like he hit that hand. <laughs> that hand dog was taking effect. Uh, I was really happy to see, by the way, I was really happy to see Deontay come out with Queen B. Lil' Kim gave her some love in Brooklyn, in the fight in Brooklyn. And Brooklyn has shown the champ a lot of love over the years. It's really cool that mm-hmm. he brought out a native like that, right? Uh, especially knowing how proud Brooklynites are. So the fight ends. Immediately, talk turns to Deontay Wilder wasn't in trouble. He was in trouble. He'll be at the Joseph Parker Anthony Joshua fight later this month. You know he's going to cause a spectacle when he's going to jump in the ring for whoever wins. Yeah, um, because after that fight, the belts it will be time for unification bout. Now, what I want to speak about for a little bit are the cards. Because although it didn't come into play, I read a very interesting article that before the fight that said, you're out of your mind if you think that boxing will allow anything other than Deontay Wilder winning uh, uh, on Saturday night. And I read the article, it was very sharp, and it's true. Unless Ortiz knocked him out, he wasn't going to get a win. Because in the ninth round, when I would say most boxing fans had the fight 7-2 Ortiz, yeah, maybe maybe six three, uh-huh. maybe. Um, Although I had a friend, Time Warp, and he felt like <laughs> that Deontay was in it. Well, the judges, if you look at their cards, had Deontay down up by one point. Like one of them had a draw, and the other ones had him up by one point. Cr- and this ludicrous. is pre knockout. Luda, get out the way. <laughs> yeah, so it wasn't it wasn't right. And once again, we're looking at a situation where whoever it is in boxing. That actually is in charge. You know, we know it used to be the mafia. Now we don't know who it is, but we're assuming that it's promoters, but we don't know. Yeah, it's um, promoters. And, and there is no way. Go watch. I challenge you to watch the fight again and then come debate me on Twitter if you'd like. There's absolutely a 0% chance that Deontay Wilder was winning that fight when he knocked out Luis Ortiz. He won the fight. That's not even in question, but there's no way he was winning that fight. Don't lie to yourself. And he even knows because he was quoted afterward as saying, I proved a couple things in this fight. I proved that I could take a punch and I proved that I could come back. Yeah. <laughs> he knew he was in trouble. He knew he was in trouble. And that's one thing that I loved. One of the reasons I love Deontay Wilder is because he's so honest. Yeah. He's totally honest. He's he there honest to fight. when he was on the show. Completely. Yeah. 
<laughs> That's a good idea. <laughs> and talked about, you know, he he trains down sometimes for opponents. Sure does, and which means that he's about to put in work because he's going to have to fight a real fighter, whether it's Parker or Joshua. Yeah, and I think he's going to have a problem with either one of them. I think I, I think people are underestimating Parker, to yeah, be honest. I, I feel like Parker's going to give Joshua a problem, <laughs> but I also feel like Joshua's going to win. But I don't see a way that, well, I can, obviously there's a way because both of the heavy hitters, they're heavy hitters, but Joshua has thump in both of his hands. And Deontay Wilder really is uh, like not one-dimensional. He's a great athlete. He has a lot of thump in his right hand. But he won't be coming down on Joshua. This is critical. Now, everybody that you see him knock out is usually a good four inches at least shorter than him. Yes. He, and that one dude who was the journeyman, I think his name was Gerald Washington, who was like had a fight. He was basically at the bar, and they were like, hey, you're a big dude. You want to fight? He said, yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah, come on, dude. And he gave him problems for five rounds. Yeah, I didn't. that's when I really didn't, I didn't care for that. Until Deontay <laughs> put him to sleep. Yeah. And he fought that other dude, the Latin fella, that was the school teacher that gave him problems from time to time until right. he put him to sleep. Uh, now, this is the thing. Those are guys who were close to his height. Anthony Joshua is maybe not, the same level of natural athlete as Deontay Wilder is, not far behind. Yeah. If you've ever seen Anthony Joshua, he is a specimen. I'm talking about natural athlete in the sense that you feel like he could play any sport. Deontay right. Wilder could play any sport. He right. should be able to play any sport with his physique and with his athletic ability. Yet at the same time, Anthony Joshua's skills are more refined. His fundamentals are yes. way beyond. You never see him going wild like you see yes. You know, and that matters, guys. I'm telling you, the fundamentals of this stuff, it matters. It really matters. It matters if we're talking about baseball. It matters if we're talking about boxing, tennis, you name it. Those fundamentals Curling. matter. It <laughs> doesn't matter what, what, what sport we're talking about. Fundamentals are important. That's why, there's, that's why they made them. That's why they're called fundamentals. <laughs> and so, it's the foundation and, of your game. And honestly, Wilder's going to have to work on some things. It would be great for him if he could get another fight. Of, of, even if it's a tomato can, he needs another. He needs more rounds. To me, the best thing that happened to him is he got nine quality rounds in. That's and, and he spoke about it. And it's not his fault. This no, is why I don't. This is why I don't fault him. He wants to fight. Yes. Nobody wants to fight him. One and two. When he does fight guys, he ends up playing around. Right. But and then he knocks him out. Yeah. But then you're you're practicing bad habits, which is very dangerous, and which is going to cost him in the long run when he runs into quality opponents, like we saw Ortiz. If Ortiz was younger, uh, a younger guy, then Ortiz wins that fight. And he said it afterwards. Uh, oh, I saw him not oh, not did. in the ring, but afterwards okay. he spoke and he said, "Man, I almost had him. I almost had him." I really appreciated Luis Ortiz uh, because for somebody who was juicing and you know they he was he said he wasn't juicing he's 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 got another familiar sounding story of some contaminated supplement or something like that um and but i said i say this he came to play he came to fight on saturday right and the other thing that happened was he gave it all he had he was willing he was he was game he was completely game to shake up the world in there and really his pride got in front of the <laughs> In front of him, because if he would have just... It didn't matter. No, no, the only I, way I he was going to win is if he knocked him out. And he had a great the but I felt like he had a great chance of knocking him out. He late. had a game plan, yeah, late. Because Deontay Wilder's body, he had gave him a lot of good body work. And I, I really would like to see how Deontay Wilder is going to recover from that beating. Because he took a beating. Yeah, he did take a beating. And he took a beating at 214. Yeah. It would be really nice to see the champ come in at 225 for his next fight around there. Somewhere a little bit... 
a little bit bigger. You if know. he fights Joshua, he's going to have to come in at that weight. If he doesn't, you then- can't be the two hundred and fifty pound man at two eighteen, at two fourteen, unless you are a Mike Tyson type or a, or a, or a, or Evander Holyfield type. And Deontay is not that. Right, and and honestly, how heavy will Joshua be once they fight? Well, once I mean, they get in the ring, no, it'll be two fifty. There's no, there's no weight limit, so it's not like the yeah. weight. It's not like they swell up like the little guys. Yeah, but so I think when the, he I when he weighs in on that Friday at two fifty five, he'll come in that Saturday two fifty six. It's not like he's gonna balloon up like you right. know, like the little guys. But like those, a lot of those boxers like to balloon up though the night, the day of to you know try to prevent that knockout. And well. When you're 250, you ain't worried about getting knocked out. It is <laughs> what it is. You worry about it? Nah, for the course. I, I do the knocking out at 250. <laughs> I, I'm not worried about getting knocked holes. out. That's how I do it. <laughs> knockout. And and I tell you what else. You know, the biggest problem that I see with Joshua, and we'll see how this goes with Parker. Joshua seems to be a victim of being British. And I say that in the sense that his, his head-talking game isn't up. He doesn't talk and, and isn't swaggerlicious like a lot of champs, like a Floyd Mayweather, like a, a Deontay Wilder, like guys that we've seen. And talking is a big portion of it, which then in turn conveys him as someone who's scared. Right. Because he talks like he's hesitant. And I don't believe you get to be the heavyweight champion and he had a rough background. I don't think you get to that point by being scared. I don't think he's scared to jump in the ring with no. anybody. But the way that it comes off is like he's scared, yeah. which then is dangerous because belief is the most powerful thing on the planet other than God himself. Yeah, but at, at which point the, the other guy starts to believe that dude is scared. Now, from what I saw, what you're not going to be able to do with AJ is what he likes to do and toy around and feel out the opponent. I don't think that's going to work because Joshua has that kind of pop that Wilder has. I think he's stronger, and I think that he has it in both hands. And Wilder's predominantly a right-handed puncher. Uh, but you know what? Everybody's susceptible to that jab, and he would have to really, really rely on it. But he can't. It, Joshua probably impose his size and will on him and make him backpedal, and he's not Ortiz. So if he gets you into that corner, he's great at infighting. I was going to say the other thing is, is that Joshua can fight on the inside. Yeah. In comparison, to, I haven't seen Deontay do any effective work on the inside. Yeah, in the phone booth. And, uh, but yeah. he, he got him with that uppercut this time. Ooh, that uppercut. That yeah. was, that was shades of Klitschko Joshua. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that uppercut was the shot heard around the world, though. <laughs> I mean, wow. My head is hurting right now. Oh, I mean, man. that was from last year. And, and so, you know, that's, this is my take. I think that the cards are bogus. I think that the, all the refs, uh, the judges rather, were on the take. I also think that if you watch the ref, that referee deserves to be commended. All we of, should look up who he was because that referee could have stopped that fight in the seventh round. Could've. And he gave the champ the benefit of the doubt because Deontay was not protecting himself and he was not punching back. And that was a, a very, you know, very tricky situation. Now, he, you could see that he was looking to stop the fight for Wilder. Right. Uh, and, and, yeah. you know, and that, that also has to come with, you know, a little payola, I do believe. But even with that, Wilder got the dub. It was a great test for him. I actually think he should have one more fight. I think he should look into fighting three times this year or four times this year because he already fought, but that one round doesn't really count. He should fight one more guy before November when before he get it on. Before they get it on. I really believe that. I feel like uh, going back to the refs and the cards, I feel like, honestly, like I said before, they should crowdsource. They should crowdsource the cards. They should crowdsource the scoring. I think that's a terrible idea because look at who we elected in the United States through crowdsourcing and the hacks that took place. Right. I can't roll. Well, now we were fooling with blockchain. Blockchain is about security. I don't know. <laughs> we run yeah. blockchain. I don't think. But you just have to. <laughs> you just have to get a group of people that you can feel like that 
do a, have a better vetting system because obviously the system's not working now, so we can't get that much worse. I mean, well, when, it's working. It's working for the people that pay for it, and that's the thing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not when just it's working a, for the fans. Yeah, but when it's an anonymous group that's voting, then we we can come out better with the right card. It's all that the riggable. People want to see. It's all riggable. The biggest thing, in, in my opinion, the, the biggest thing that, in my opinion, they need to do is they need to have live scoring as an athlete. And the, one of the beauties of being an athlete is the ability to turn it on. You need to know where you are in the game. To most be of able the trainers to know where, where they are. Most of the trainers are like, hey, you get down, baby, get down. Yeah, but that's not, that's not really, uh, that's not really most of, and I feel they like- do this and they do that. That doesn't work because they don't have an actual number. You need to know it's I'm down by three problem. points. It's not the number that's the problem. The problem is that they're hiding behind. Nobody knows who these refs are. We can't see them. If you're going to put up the numbers, then you need to see their face because they need to be held well, this as is, social ransom so they can, we can see who's actually giving us these bad cards. And then we can, then they have to worry about the ramifications when people see them in public and point their finger at them and say, Hey, you gave me that bad card. I lost my money. Vegas tricked me. Sounds like you're advocating violence right now. And I'm, that's no, not what I'm saying. No, no, but no. I'm, you're I'm talking about seeing people in public and this, that, and the other. What no, I'm just saying call them is, out, just like what, they do what, everybody else. And they've done that. Look at what happened to the lady at the Canelo Triple G fight. And, and she caught a band. Yeah, but, but they that, didn't know what she looked like. They they got pictures all over. She's married to the to the ref. Yeah, pictures now, all over. This over. is after the fight. I'm talking yeah, about what, before uh, the fight. Well, if okay. they see you, that's cool. Fine. Well, all I'm saying is you can show their faces during the fight. Every round, the score should be transparent. I agree. There doesn't need to be a secrecy. That doesn't make the fight better because you don't know who's winning. The fighters themselves should know who's winning in the fight officially. You know who's winning, you know, when you're the feeling of it. But officially, you should know who's winning. And that then in turn would cause all of these judges to be held accountable because they should interview them just like they interview the boxers. Yeah, they should. But I don't agree. I don't. I think that some of the lure of it all is going to the cards at the end of the fight and saying the winner is that we got 115 113 that's cool i don't feel like you need to but i do feel like they need and there's no way we'll ever be able to get rid of the you know because somebody's always going to be susceptible to the bribe obviously it's never been fixed but this is where you let people know who they are and it sort of takes that away from uh, what that is is a recipe for lunatics of the nra to, to that lost uh, their money the to kill NRA people out there. the nra don't got nothing to do with that i'm just telling you no, the truth that's it, not, that's it, not it the is truth. it it is uh, what you're talking about is like saying is like putting out the names and addresses of real judges. What just what you're talking about? And because a lot of people that win and lose a lot of money on these fights, if they feel like it's one judge's personal situation and they find that person without fail, there will be some sort of repercussion of a physical nature. I can guarantee it. And what you're saying is is that somebody's just going to point them out and hold them accountable to social ransom. Unfortunately, in our society, people don't hold you to just social ransom when they lose their money. Yeah, that's, not, that's, not, that's not how we work as Americans. We You have to be held to another sort of ransom. <laughs> and, and I think it's dangerous. But moving on, uh, the, the fight on the undercard of that, that uh, Wilder-Ortiz fight was also a championship fight for an interim belt. Which was a rematch of a fight that, if you remember last year, ended in serious controversy. It was a fight between Andre Durrell and Jose Uzcategui. Uzcategui. I don't know how you say it. Uzcategui, I think is how you say it. And in the first fight, Uzcategui was winning the fight, but it was a close fight. And he knocked out Anthony Durrell, uh, I'm sorry, Andre Durrell, after the bell in the eighth round. And it caused a melee. 
Darrell's uncle jumped in and actually bombed on who's got to go. Two piece, two piece. One of them missed. If he caught that second one, that would he might have messed up his career. You think so? I don't think. I don't think so. I think he would be able to take. It was nice one though. He was totally unguarded. That was uh, a total. His hands he, were completely he down. It up. You sorry about watching? He took. He sucked it up. <laughs> he sucked up the one. That's what I'm trying to tell you. If he caught the second one, it wouldn't be the right way. Anywho, this go around, uh, you know, we're looking at the fight. This may be time for Andre Durrell to wrap it up. Andre Durrell's been a great champion, been a great fighter. I remember watching him for years now. And obviously, their family and friends of the Ozone, the Durrell brothers, I'm very, very, very big fan of. Yeah. Um, he caught a beating on Saturday. I mean, he got beat up really bad. And to the point where they ended up stopping the fight and throwing in the towel. His corner, Virgil Hunter, ended up throwing in the towel. Uh, he after warned the him several round. times. He warned him several yeah. times. I can't be mad at Virgil at all. Because he doesn't want to see anybody get hurt out he there. He doesn't want to see nobody think, get hurt. I just think Darrell took a little bit too much punishment early. Yeah. That was, that was the Hard problem. shots. Yeah, hard and shots. I, and I also and he, think it was, it was Gattagoy has a, has a much, he's unorthodox, and he has a much stronger punch than it looks like. Because you see the result is much more devastating than what you would think. You know, I didn't. I didn't feel that way. I felt like he just it was took accumulation. Uh, it's an accumulation. He took too much early, and then he, you know, he he was trying to establish a jab, and I felt like he didn't make the adjustments during the fight because the jab. He never really got to establish the jab or the 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 counter behind the jab. You know, the um the right behind the jab. Well, and that's because he was busy playing around with the southpaw. Yeah, he he decided he was going to go southpaw. To confuse his category, which didn't work, and then he went to traditional stance, which caused him a problem, and then he went back to southpaw. Yeah. So there was, there seemed to be some sort of mental game planning problem or something like that with the fight, and I don't know what it was. But now Uzcategui is now the, the champ from Venezuela, and I really don't think in that one sixty eight nobody really wants to see him at, at that point. Uh, he's he's, he's a, a problem. He's, a problem. he's light on his feet. He's got a good jab. He he likes, but uh, you know everybody's susceptible to, in, in that weight category. You that's where you can get knocked out as well. Yeah, you're getting big enough yeah. so that guy's got one punch. Yeah. Um, and now, which, which brings us to the other cards, uh, on that same night that happened across town. These fights were taking place in Brooklyn at the Barclays. Across town at Madison Square Garden, you were dealing with the crusher, continuing his rise back to the top. And he fought uh, a guy that he outclassed by tons and he beat the crap out of this guy. I think he got him out of there, TKO in the seventh or eighth or something. It's very interesting to see what will happen. With the crusher because he fought with a stable mate, this young kid, Dmitry Boliev, uh, was the guy that we sat by at the fights. And that guy actually knocked out Sullivan Barrera in the 12th, which is impressive. Knocking out a guy in the 12th round is really impressive. Right. Because you know that guy is trained his whole life and that guy knows he only has three minutes to go. And he just, he punished this dude and he knocked him out. And I tell you, there's a very interesting Eastern European movement going on around that weight category. For some reason, it doesn't seem to translate into the heavyweights, but between 145. The Klitschko's. And, yeah, but that I'm talking about right now. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, obviously the Klitschko's great champions, but between 145 and 175 is a sweet spot right now where you have Eastern European fighters making noise. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess you could say 154. And this kid, I mean, seems like the only person he could fight would be the Crusher, but they're on the same label, so I don't know if that'll actually ever happen. That won't happen. So once again, we're in a tricky position with the stables. But what we need to talk about is a little drug called clenbuterol. And performance-enhancing drugs are rearing their ugly head once again, folks, and we don't know what to make of it, to be honest, because... We're now looking at it in multiple sports, but right now in the, in the sport of boxing, over the past two years, boxing has caught a black eye 
several black guys because, for one, I think Deontay Wilder himself has had three different guys pull out of fights for juicing. Um, these are guys that that continually are members of the the World Ath- uh, Anti Doping Association, so the, they they're subjecting themselves to the testing, so they know they're going to be tested. Canelo Alvarez has been tested a million times throughout his career, and he's never come up dirty. So that, and he's always lived in Mexico. So that for this fight, for him to claim that his dirty test is because of some contaminated meat is very suspicious. Very, very suspicious. If you ask me, he has been sitting back and healing since he got beat up in September. And he literally watched this fight and realized I didn't win that fight. And also he realized that it didn't look like he really could knock Gennady out. And he has to sit in the pocket and actually trade. I think he's getting baited. I actually think he has a better chance if he employs the same style of fighting that he employed this last time because he was faster than Gennady and his movement defense was better uh, than, it, than it has ever been. Not I don't better think he'll get Gennady's. a decision this time, though. No. He won't get a decision, but he would have to be able to, to trade. He would have to selectively trade in comparison to... Abel Sanchez, Gennady's trainer, is trying to bait him into standing in there because it seems like Canelo is losing fans at a record pace. If you go Still and, is. This <laughs> saying, if you go and you look on anything that has a Canelo Alvarez post after this thing, I mean, he's losing Latinos left and right. And this is his bread and butter. Yeah, but you know what? It, it, when you test dirty like that, this is what I was speaking about earlier. When you test dirty, there's some guys who you sort of feel for and some guys who are in a specific situation like Canelo, who had just had a fight that he did not really win. And you see him trying to make up the difference in that loss. Right. With, with the, 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 the drugs. Right. And so now you're saying, well, wait, wait a minute, man, this dude's not really a, not, he, we've met him several times. He's not a bad guy. Yeah. He's a nice guy. And what I will say <laughs> for people who cheat like that, we used to play baseball with a guy who always cheated. And, uh, <laughs> He really wants to win. Yeah, he <laughs> Canelo wants to win. really wants to win. I, I I respect that, but you can't respect his methodology. And if it was not, not in boxing, and, and if no, because because that's murder. Yeah. And somebody's <laughs> life is in danger. And then besides that, if there's another for boxer that's not the big draw, then this guy would get suspended. The fight would be called off, and the guy would get suspended. Well, that's what they're waiting for right now. They're and not going to call. It's too much money. They're well, Gennady is saying that he he'll he'll take a chance of not even fighting if he, he wants he wants some kind of. Something handed down, some kind of rules or some kind of punishment. Really? Yeah, yeah. I'm reading it literally right now. Oh, that's fantastic for yeah. Gennady because Gennady has a life after boxing. And he you don't want to get in there and get hurt. Yeah, he said that if you say it's okay and if if it's legal, that's bad for for the sport. And I he won't loves say, the sport. Uh, and I won't even say it's boxing. Wow. Yeah, it's true. And this is why this is why Gennady has has subjected himself to thorough testing, and he's the one that calls for it because he hits so hard. He knocks so many people out, and people are scared to fight him. He's the one that calls for it, and and because he's like, look, I, this is all me. I'm not there's nothing fake right. about it. Even Danny Jacobs said he ran into the boogeyman. He ain't that tough. Everybody always says that he he's not hitting that hard or whatever. But when we saw Danny Jacobs after the fight, he looked like he was, you know. Um, his head was so swollen and lumped up and everything that you can barely recognize the guy. And then with, with Canelo, Canelo said he doesn't hit that hard, but Canelo was running the whole fight. So obviously he's doing something that make people feel the pain. And Abel Sanchez had a good point because he said that, uh, you know, uh, the, he didn't want to hear about the contaminated meat because he said, noting that the Mexican coaches and managers are, bu- are butchers and own meat markets. 
Oh, <laughs> good point, Abel. Score one, two, Shay yeah. for Abel. Now, what else I'll say is there's a lot of money on the line and there's a lot of pride on the line. Canelo, it, to me, seems like he's looking for a boost. And this is a, a drug used to cut weight and increase breathing. And he's trying recover. To, to, to recover and boost up his stamina. And it's sad because... So sad. It is. I'm, I'm down with Gennady actually being willing to walk away from the dough because usually guys like we had Deontay Wilder on a podcast yeah. who literally said, I don't care if Ortiz is going to choose or not. Let's go. <laughs> and, you know, you can, this is, I think this is the wisdom that comes with age with Gennady. Gennady's an older fighter now and he's like, I don't, I don't, I haven't playing around with my kids, man. I don't right. need to, I'm, I don't I'm, need to. You're going to bring in a young man who's on the juice to fight me. The guy's already <laughs> in a better position. He's already right. in his prime. Yes. And, and now you want to, Give him to me at this point and then want me to t- go out there and take a chance on getting killed, literally. Yeah, exactly. And having permanent damage. It's a problem. Now, speaking of Danny Jacobs, Danny Jacobs is just a class act. Man, I love Danny Jacobs. Yeah. I get Danny on the podcast because Danny went, uh, Jermel Charlo, the Charlo twins like to bump their gums. Uh, and I actually like those young boys at 154, but they ain't ready for this. And one of the Charlo brothers, one of the Charlo brothers just got robbed in New York City, actually. Right. And you saw that. And, and, at and someone's at club, club, right? At four, Jay-Z's at the 4040 Club. Some uh, some women took his stuff for International Women's Day, actually. It was, <laughs> no, it was, that's a bad joke. Sorry, guys. Ladies and gentlemen, tip your waiter. He'll be here all night. No, so... um Yes, they, they jacked his, they jacked his, his man bag, which happened to have $40,000 in it and a bunch of jewels. Now, one of the Charlo brothers has come out of his neck talking about Danny Jacobs having the game twisted, used some expletives and this, that, and the other, and basically said Danny Jacobs ain't shit. He's what he came out and said. And Danny Jacobs responded on Twitter immediately and said, Hey, it, it, your time is coming, young man, but when you're ready, we can mix it up. <laughs> and then, and then the guy didn't respond. Charlo didn't respond. And Danny's like, he keeps bumping his gums. I haven't heard nothing about a proposed fight or nothing else. They don't want to see him. Sure don't, because Danny's a legit one sixty, and in my opinion, the second best heavyweight uh, middleweight in the world. Right. Um, I actually think he has worked for Canelo. I don't think he's a juicer. I think he's an, a naturally clean guy and uh, a good fighter and a great athlete. Yes, and a champion because he and overcame cancer and a good guy. So. It, you know, they're trying to, I like Danny in for a lot of reasons as a fighter, and I like him more as a man because he's one of the guys that's trying to class up boxing, and I really appreciate that because we don't have a lot of that. Right. And, you know, I'm, he shouldn't stoop down to, to that level. He didn't. Yeah. He didn't use the expletives. He didn't do any of that. He just, he just let him know that if you want problems, I'm here. And I'm they, here. They, they, you know, they're trying to make some money. Unfortunately, this yeah. is now how you do it. Ali didn't start it off like that. He didn't start it off by, you know, defaming people or anything like that. He, he didn't? Well, not not in the sense of cussing people out. Yeah, but he was talking crazy. He talked crazy. He talked crazy. Talk crazy about Floyd Patterson. He talked crazy about Joe Frazier. He talked crazy. He talked crazy about Sonny Liston. Yeah, he did. He talk, I, I he, mean, but he I, did. Mean, I, I mean, I mean, I mean, maybe I'm saying it wrong because he didn't use a lot of rough language, like, you know, cussing people out and everything. He didn't nah, do that. I don't know. Just, I can't roll. He, he liking he was braggadocious he likened joe fraser to a gorilla he did that he, was this is very unacceptable if if i was alive at the time muhammad ali is the icon now and obviously top five fighters of all time but if i was alive i actually would have been on joe fraser's camp because that that you think you been with joe fraser that i i can't ever roll with the gorilla likening and yeah. with the, i don't i can't roll with that that's not that's not acceptable that's not a then calling him Uncle Tom and all this any other. This is what are you doing? 
It was really, really and, out of line. And Joe Frazier is not a talker. No. And so then he knew he was at the disadvantage, which is why he went in there and gave him that left in Madison Square Garden that night and gave Clay a problem. Gave him a problem. And, you know, I never really appreciated that about his work. And, and Muhammad Ali came out later and said that that's something that he really regretted was the way that he, he treated Malcolm X and Joe Frazier. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so- Joe Frazier never forgave him. Even when, when, and if you see, it made him so bitter that when Muhammad Ali was in his uh, last decade of his life, Joe Frazier was mocking him not being able to talk and move and walk. Yeah, and that's not right either. No, it's not right, but this is the kind of pain that he inflicted. And then beyond that, the, the platform that they both had, Joe wasn't using his for to spread, you know, uh, uh, infighting amongst the, the culture and this and the other. It's not right. Just and, not and, and, and unfortunately, I do believe... He's only not only not a talker. He was also a Southern dude who recognized that how dangerous racism and those kind of innuendos and assumptions and that mm-hmm. kind of that kind of implication is. And so he did not, especially this is a guy that you're letting borrow some money so that he can fight you. Right. And, you know, I don't uh, I really don't think that. that and so basically Ali sold out at that point. I, and he didn't know it because he was a young man, but uh-huh. he did. I don't. I think at, later in his life he was more conscious about this stuff mm-hmm. and more cognizant of his the, the the power and platform that he actually held. He empowered a lot of people. He mm-hmm. gave a lot of people a lot of love uh, to believe in themselves and to, right. and to be beautiful in their color and in their skin. And then that's a beautiful thing. But on this particular set, I can't roll, and I know I would have been with Joe. Because that kind of stuff rubs me the wrong way. Really rubs me the wrong rubs way. Rubs me the wrong way too. But what I'm saying is the profanity that these guys use and stuff no, no, is, is not, is not called for. I'm with you. I'm I with mean, you. Because I think that that's a Floyd Mayweather thing because you never heard Ali coming out, you know, MNF and this and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. But see, but that's, I can't just attribute it to Floyd either. The, the, I think that this, this is a product of the culture in general because you look at how the culture has changed with the implementation of gangster rap. And like, if you listen to to the music now and this and the other, everything is taking a turn for the profane. And even the women in, in that you now have, you know, trash talking as taking an elevated uh, level in society of what society finds acceptable to even uh, to to say in public. Right. You know, uh, uh, our mother talks about all the time when she was a little girl. Her grandmother used to say. Oh my goodness. Next thing you know, they'll be advertising toilet paper on television. And it was like the biggest taboo in the world to actually think that somebody would advertise something as personal as toilet paper. Well, we're well beyond that now. We're talking about erectile enhancement and all sorts of stuff. And this is just the progression, if you will, of society. And, you know, I'm not a big fan of it, but in this situation, I think that if the Charlo boys want to tussle with Danny Jacobs, they're going to end up on their back. They're going to end up asleep. Because they're just moving into 154, and Danny is cemented at 160. He could probably fight at 168 if he wanted to. to be <laughs> he honest. fought at about 175 tonight. We <laughs> <He> sure <laughs> did. And uh, you know, it's very. It's it, this is this is the this is the way of things. Now, we got a bunch of interesting fights coming up, uh, and we'll cover those as they get closer to unfolding. But moving on, we're out here in the desert for tennis. And we've already had an upset. The very first day of the female competition, uh, Maria Sharapova has gotten eliminated uh, by Naomi Osaka. And what's interesting about that is the reason I transferred, uh, pivoted to that is because she hasn't been the same since she's come back from her suspension from PEDs, all and all and all, whatever her thing was called. And she just hasn't been the same player. And she's still a draw. But she hasn't been the same player. Right. And I think that's why they let her back in the league in the first place, because she's a draw. You're right. 
right. you know, because she should, she definitely got a slap on the wrist. I don't know. I mean, she was out for a year. Yeah, but they were talking about, you know, banning her, right? They were talking about banning her for life, but I don't know if there's a precedent for that. So, I mean, a year is a long time, and you can see, if anything, there's still potential ring rust just for her. She hasn't been able to play the competition level. I don't think it's because she physically can't do it. I think she hasn't, you know, it's a kind of similar thing. We're not having rounds, right. and, and you can't get out of, out of practice because these young kids are ready to go. These young girls are coming out, and they're ready to go get it. It's a lot of superior athletes out there, women and women alike. Yeah, and now we're looking at the return of the, the GOAT. Serena Williams is coming back, uh, and she plays tonight. I'm very interested to see how she moves because a post-baby scenario is different than saying I got hurt or I'm taking some time off. Yeah, it's not an injury. This is a natural natural occurrence <laughs> as, as they would have it. As natural as can be. <laughs> as natural as it can be. We go down to the grassroots of everything. And I don't know if she's going to have the stamina or the mobility, I def- she definitely won't have it like she had it before. And I don't know if she can work herself back into to playing shape like that, what she was before. Wow. Wow. Questions for the champ. Well, she's proven everybody wrong several times before, and she dominates. That's, that's what she does. And so we're going to see how she comes out and plays. Uh, also, Vika Azarenka is back. She had her problems with a child custody battle that kept her out of the Grand Slam play for portions of last year. We got to meet the champ. It was very, very great. I really like Victoria Azarenka. And after she had a baby, she's actually super duper lean, which is interesting. And so this is going to be an interesting, interesting Wells, interesting Indian Wells tournament. Uh, looking forward to see, uh, Federer, looking forward to see the Joker out there. And a lot of young boys, man. The, I, I think the, the guy to watch this year is Francis TFO. Talked to uh, uh, Sasha Zverev yesterday, and he's trying to get his game together. Uh, I'm pumped up. Tennis season is back, and we're moving into slam season shortly, and we're going to be on that clay out in the French Open in no time. Now talk to me about spring training. There's some guys that have landed. We've still got some guys that are outstanding. Why Alex Cobb doesn't have a deal, I don't Jake understand. Arietta. Jake Arrieta doesn't have a deal. Has Moustakas signed yet? No. They're talking about him signing after the season starts. Unbelievable. Yeah. and uh, That CBA is really getting those guys. Yeah, they're paying for it. They're paying for making a bad decision. And, I mean, there's nothing that they can do, really do about it right now. Because even to a certain degree where the, the commissioner has so much power, he can make changes without their vote. Which is crazy. Which is crazy. I'm really surprised because baseball, I, I would say, has the strongest union in all of uh, the world. In all of, maybe all the world. And definitely in professional uh, mm-hmm. professional sports. And so... This is a this is an interesting dilemma that they've gotten themselves into. But on a novelty tip, we saw something great happen yesterday, which is Shohei Otani of the Angels, the the biggest signing of this free agent year, got carved because he got introduced to Uncle Charlie. <laughs> he got introduced <laughs> to the greatest curveball on the planet, ladies and gentlemen. And Clayton Kershaw fell behind him and came back with four straight heaters. Yeah, he missed the cheese. And but that's what as people are apt to do <laughs> as evidenced by his 250 plus strikeouts every year. And then he introduced him to Uncle Charlie. He said he had to change it up, make it a little bit slower on him. And afterwards they asked him and he said, "Well, he didn't choose us, so good luck." <laughs> Let me tell you something. Kershaw doesn't seem like he's mean this year. He got within 27 outs of winning his first world championship, which would then in turn cement him into the conversations of some of the greatest pitchers of all time. Without that ring, it's very hard to get to that conversation. He's in the top 10 already. They have him ranked. I understand what you're saying, but you know how people are. And you hear how people talk about Clayton Kershaw. And if you want to talk about people like yourself who watch baseball their whole lives, and I love Clayton Kershaw. I cannot take Clayton Kershaw over Jack Morris. (laughs) 
I yeah. can't do it. Yeah, and, and, and because hard. Jack Moore has shown show me too many times. Yeah, there's a, there's in a the few big people, game. and honestly, I there's probably, a few people, few people. I, 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 I would agree. take probably El Duque over Jack Morris, which is crazy, which is nuts. Yeah. But, but I hear what <laughs> but you're, you're saying. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it all depends because El Duque was completely unable for that, that. Completely unable. But the thing, but Jack Morris gave you ten, ten scoreless, ten scoreless, scoreless. What you said? Oh, what a game! But when you talk about Kershaw during the regular season, there's literally. There's like no precedent. Nothing. It's like Sandy Koufax. Yeah. It's him and Sandy Koufax. I, mean, I was thinking about his, his statistics the other day where he had maybe, <laughs> I, as I pondered, <laughs> your statistics. I don't even think that he, he was to one point where he only had like maybe what? How many walks? Five or something? It was like? something silly. That's unbelievable. That's if you've ever crazy. played the game of baseball. It's like those guys who never strike out. Yeah, it's, it's like a it's video like, game. It's like when you look at at Tony Gwynn's numbers and you see he struck out thirty times an entire season. Yeah, six hundred at best. Five six hundred at best. That's crazy. That's, I mean, nobody can get the ball by that you. That means that nobody <laughs> is fooling you. No, you see everything. It's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's even harder for a pitcher, especially when you have to. Go sometimes you got to give in. Yeah, and sometimes you have he's to not in. giving in. Yeah, and some and with his ERA usually around two something. Craziness. That's crazy. Craziness. Talk to me about the moves that have been made. The Houston Astros are putting up runs in spring training right now, like the season never ended. I'm, I don't sense a World Series hangover from them. I don't either. And uh, Gary O just got hurt, but he'll be back in probably, what, a month? But they have a team that's built to last. They're not a team that's literally you, going out and getting another frontline pitcher. They're going, they have the great combination of pitching, speed, and defense with youth. And power. Yeah, with youth. I mean, how many teams? Hands on. Hands on. It's a problem. How they're, many teams? They're a problem. Yeah, I, I still feel like they're the best team in the American League. They're a serious problem. I Garrett mean, Cole, Justin Verlander, Dallas, Dallas Keuchel, Lance McCullers, and Charlie Morton. And an effective Charlie Morton. Throwing about 97, 98 the whole game? Who's going to close the game? Because I keep hearing them flirting with Ken Giles still, and I don't like that idea. Well, Ken Giles' numbers during the regular season was not bad. but Yeah, they weren't great, yeah. but they weren't bad. Yeah, par for the closures nowadays. But, no, but not, not, no. But I would not go for a World Series. I would not, go not with for a World Series. I really don't like his work. I really don't prefer it. I like for you to come in here. I don't want to see my guy who throws 100 miles an hour. Walking guys on sliders. Yeah. I don't even want to see you really throw that slider that much until you get Wipe out. I just need to see you wipe people guy people wipe a guy out with it. Yeah, but he never gets into a situation where he can wipe he you out. He never is ahead in the count. He's a never ahead in the count. And so if you're <laughs> never ahead in the count, how are you gonna throw a wipeout slider? Can't do it. I don't need to I don't need to chase. But you know what? They probably have some kids in the farm system that they can bring up. Uh they I felt like they probably because I think Greg Holland is still out there, right? I don't know if Holland is signed or not, but I read that fabulous article on Ichiro yesterday. If you guys haven't read it, go to ESPN and, and treat yourself to a, a heartbreaking but beautiful article about the baseball expert Ichiro Suzuki. It's really moving. It's really, really nice article. It talks about him and his upbringing and his dad and his regimenting and how him and his father don't talk anymore and how his mom works his finances and how he's taken one vacation over his career and it was to Milan, and he felt as though it was way too much time off, and he was gone for about a week or something like that. This is a great article. Adriel looking to wrap up his career maybe in Seattle, but saying he's trying to play till he's 50, which he's always said, and uh, he's 44 now. It's going to be interesting to see what Ichiro is able to do. Last year, he set the, I think he was two hits away from setting the all-time pinch hit record for yeah. a season, single season. Somebody's going to get hurt. That guy's going to get a chance to play, and he's going to be prepared because that's what Ichiro Suzuki does. He's ready to play. <laughs> He's always ready to play. I wish he could have got here in his prime. 
because I actually, I actually he would, think he could be the hitting champion. Yeah, and he would have been one of the best ball players of all time. Yeah, as he is already. Yeah, yeah I know what you mean. Hall, just be more cemented. Yeah, he, oh, he's going to the hall. Yeah, but he's but he's got five more, like close to five thousand combined hits. He would he would have got his hits, he's, and it's very hard to find anybody who's committed to the sport like him. Period. I, the, any sport. The, yeah, the, the love of the game for him is like the level with Kobe Bryant in basketball. Yes. Oh, congratulations to Kobe Bryant winning an Oscar. How about that? Yeah, there's something special. Wow, something special. But but you're talking about the next level. You're talking about the. You're talking about the next level with uh, you know Ichiro and his love for the sport and some of the stuff uh, in that article. You know. Oh man, it's, it's unbelievable! It's unbelievable. Uh, it's, <laughs> that dude, he's committed. He's really committed. And so, what else do you got? What else do you got? News and notes running around the diamond. This kid in Chicago is making noise. You think he's going to end up breaking with the team? You know, the bad CBA once again strikes because these kids don't get their opportunity because of the CBA. If he's not on the forty man roster, which I don't know if he is, he's not going to be on the team. And and they want to they want to keep these kids down for as long as they can now for that you know so they can get that extra year of control. This Cuban phenom playing for the White Sox, I can't remember his name. I think it's Robertson, Roberts, Roberts, Luis Roberts. Yeah, Luis Roberts he hit a game winning salami in the eighth inning the other night, and he's tearing the, the cover off the ball. You got a bunch of young guys who are actually tearing the cover off the ball. But he's not the jewel of the of that organization. You know, is Eloy Jimenez. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. But I'm saying there's a lot of guys, Acuna uh, out in Atlanta. There's young guys. Who are who are ready? Mm-hmm. And I remember Braves when, when Coach when Coach Wedge was talking to us about that years ago, like almost a decade ago, when he was looking at guys. And back then it was Ben Francisco, uh, who who was ready to come up, and they had some situation where they're under pressure to not let them come up. And the CBA, man, it's, it's it's dirty pool because if you're one of these guys, unless you become like a Chris Bryant, and look at how it paid dividends for the Cubs. The yeah, Cubs yeah. literally, he literally took them to the World Series. And the Cubs had and won it. Yeah, and the Cubs had Elo Jimenez, and they were thinking about bringing him up just to showcase him so that they can send him to another team. And they actually ended up making that trade to the White Sox before they even had to bring him up. So then that helped them so that they could suppress his time. But he's considered what I think the, in the top five or ten of all baseball. He has power like Roy Hobbs, and <laughs> little kids got power like Roy Hobbs. He's got power like he he put out the lights last year. In the home run competition. That's he, funny. Yeah, and and now, the, you know, they're in a position where they don't have to bring these kids up, and it's not right. Especially when you talk about the Chicago White Sox. They don't have anybody playing anyway, so it's like a, you know, it's like a triple-A team up there right now. And I, one of the things I feel bad for is uh, Jan Mankata, you know, because he's struggling. And he right. was, what, a couple of years ago, he was considered the best prospect in, in baseball. The, in all of baseball, yeah. yeah. You know, so much of this stuff is confidence-based. And and they take your confidence when you're not playing at the highest level. It's hard for certain guys to lock in. Yeah. And Can you a- imagine a Kobe Bryant being stuck in the D League? Ah, uh, that had to drive you crazy. Think about that. He 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 it would completely drive him crazy. And you watch kids like that all the time when they get the opportunity. Some of the guys can execute, and some of them can't. Even though they might have the potential of talent, but it's just all about the situation that you put them in. Because if you bring up a guy that that can swing the stick, but then you put him in the wrong spot in the lineup, he's going to have a problem. I really applaud the Red Sox because what they did with Ben Attendi the other year is that they brought him up and put him in a great spot to succeed. They put him up higher in the lineup so that he had protection because most of the time those guys come up, they don't have protection. You put them at the bottom right. of the lineup, and then they get carved up. And then you say, oh, you know what? This kid's not ready yet. But honestly, most of these guys, if you take protection away from them, there's not that many guys, even the big-time stars, that can be successful without help. Right. 
You need that protection. You need it. You need it. It's a generational guys who can who can play without that. Right. Well, uh, yeah. It's a, this is it's so close to starting. I can't even believe it. I know. I I, I mean, with Otani, I really like him, but I like him more as a pitcher than a hitter. I like him as a person because he actually laughed off the thing with Kershaw and was like, man, I've watched him pitch so many times that to be in there against him was unbelievable. <laughs> he's a kid. Yeah. He's like, he's like, I did, he goes, I took the curveball because I thought it was low. He's like, mm-hmm. he's like, I didn't, he goes, he didn't just basically, he was saying he didn't just devastate me. I right. am Otani after right. all. He's like, but I took it because I thought it was low. Yeah. Not just because I couldn't believe what I was seeing. But you're not going to get that. You're not going to get that call. You're never going to get that call. Kershaw. <laughs> And it was a borderline breaking ball, but it was nasty. Wow, that man. was unhittable. The only thing you could do is chop that thing in the dirt. That's what he said. He said, I, next time I'll try to foul it off. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> That's what Kirsch said. <laughs> Good, Good luck. <laughs> Good luck. Because next time you probably just get some gas. Oh, my goodness. Got a sad story to wrap it up with, uh, and I don't want to bring anybody down, but I read this story in the L.A. Times yesterday that was just devastating me. To me, sorry. What happened? A South African triathlete was severely injured after assailants attempted to cut his legs off with a saw. A guy named Lingi Guala, he's 27 years old, he's undergoing surgery. He's out training before dawn in Durban in South Africa. He's riding his bike up a mountain. Some guys pull up, pull him off of his bike, beat him down, and start to saw off his leg. What's the purpose? I have no idea. They don't know. And then, and then he, he, they, they damaged his muscles, his nerves, his bones, barely missing artery, started to saw off the other leg and somebody came. And so they left and he crawled to the, to the road and flagged somebody down to take him to a hospital. Just wanted to send prayers out to this guy. Prayers and thoughts. This is unbelievable to me. Yeah. That's a bad note to leave off on. It's a tough stuff. Let's, oh, let's leave off on a positive then. Uh, f- football. Ed Hockley's going to retire. Yeah, Ed Hockley's <laughs> going to retire. The, the, the buffest man in NFL history. Man, bigger <laughs> than Bo Jackson, right? <laughs> yeah, but you got a lot of trades. I mean, a lot, lot of guys, actions in they're, the NFL. They're, they're, they're blowing up the Seahawks. Yeah. Richard Sherman's supposed to be gone. Bennett's gone. Bennett's uh, to, the, to the champs. That's a big pickup for the Eagles. Yeah. You're adding somebody else who already has championship Super Bowl experience. Jimmy Graham is gone. They're shopping Earl Thomas. Yeah. Yeah, so what does Russell Wilson do? Does he does he go full time and try to play with the Yankees? <laughs> does he does he just continue to hike the ball and run for his life and show supreme athleticism? Right. Or does he play on both sides of the ball? Mm, no, he doesn't play. Nobody in the NFL plays on both sides of the ball. <laughs> well, no, there, there is someone who does play on both sides of the ball. I think that kid in Houston, the Titans, very rarely, and no, no quarterback on plays Titans. on both sides of the ball. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you got that. You got the Rams. Uh, got rid of Ogletree. I don't know what they're making space for. There's a lot of a lot of moves. The NFL's trying to once again grab headlines in the uh the NFL's always grabbing headlines. Yeah, it's, because they charged your boy two million dollars. He had to pay the legal fees for uh um Jerry Jones. Oh, they ended up he ended up having to pay that. Yeah, huh? he paid. You got to pay. <laughs> he had to pay it up. Wow. Godell then made him pay. Wow. But that two million is like literally his lunch money. So Did you see Roger Godell run his forty? No, Roger Goodell ran a 40? In the suit. Really? Uh huh, in the office. Yeah. What was his number? I think he had a 541. In a suit? That ain't so bad. No. And spent, they said it's his best time so far. He, <laughs> he does some kind of charity run with, uh, that's awesome. I think with Rich Eisen or something. He, um, and he, he oh, that's awesome. Uh, you should w- look at the footage. And he ran, I think it's a four, a 541. Wow. Man, they got some kids out there burning the combine, Jack. You yeah. saw that kid ran that 435? Yeah. 
some serious burners out there right now. <laughs> kids, wheels kids jumping out, there. out the uh, jumping, jumping out the gym. Out the gym, man. I also saw a kid take a football off the face. I saw that he wasn't ready, <laughs> and he became a meme. That ain't gonna help that's, you. That's not gonna help you. It's not that. gonna help your combine wow. draft status. We won't name names. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. Well, we've been here with you, and we promise to be here more frequently with you. And we will be leaning into baseball and boxing, a little bit of tennis. Want to leave you with a quote. From an unknown source, but it is that wisdom is to live in the present, plan for the future, and profit from the past. Keep your eyes open, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Ozone. We're sending you love and light on your podcast dial. Ozone. I'm just living the dream. I'm in love with the lights. This is not just a game. This here is my life.